you're new or visiting, uh, if you just haven't been here for a little bit, we're in Ephesians, so go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians. And uh, while you're going there, turn to chapter 3. And I think that if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a pew Bible, I think it's page 926 to 928, somewhere in there, if you'd like to use the pew Bibles. Um, So as you turn there, um, I'm reading from the ESV. I'm going to have it on the screen with me, and so you can follow along in your copy if you'd like to. This is uh, what it says in the Word of God. It says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is to your glory. So the title of today's sermon is going to be How to Successfully Suffer, Understanding the Mystery of the Gospel. As we look at Ephesians 3, 1 through 13, but before we do that, will you please join with me in prayer? God, our Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We ask you to be with us. We ask you that you would help us to prepare our minds and prepare our hearts, that your spirit would fill us and expose this word to us that we might be not only hearers but doers. As Paul has said here, this is a, the mystery of your gospel. As Paul was, was writing in prison, uh, we pray that we too might be able to understand what it means to suffer well. So we ask that you would speak to us through your word, and you would help us to apply it to our lives. We ask this because we know that you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise, and so it's to your name and in your name we pray. Amen. Harry Corps is an army corporal stationed at Corps, I'm going to mispronounce this, Corin Gordor. He was sent to Baton three miles away in early 1942 to direct operations in the Philippine Constabulary. At first, Corps trained Filipino civilians in combat tactics, and later he fought along the front lines as the Japanese attacked their island. Severely outnumbered, Corps and his fellow soldiers battled for three weeks before food and ammunition shortages forced them to surrender. He was taken prisoner along with 12,000 U.S. service members and 60,000 Filipino soldiers and forced to march in the now infamous Bataan Death March. Perhaps you've heard of it. He marched for more than two days without food or water. I saw men shot, 
bayoneted, even had their heads chopped off just for falling down, he said. They were either exhausted, wounded, or severely dehydrated. For what I saw, I knew I simply had to get out of there. He remembered the third night of the march, a clear sky turned cloudy and then let loose with a torrential rainstorm. And that was the break he needed. I remember it rained so heavy that you could hardly see, so I used this as cover to dive off the road into the jungle. He said, I just keep running. I was afraid to stop. He spent three nights in the jungle and finally making his way to a beach on the other side of the island. He said, I grabbed anything I could find that I thought might float and then started swimming. With his makeshift floating device, Cor swam three miles against the current in shark-infested waters back to Corregidor, where he was picked up by other U.S. Marines. He eventually rejoined his unit on Corridor, uh, but his freedom was short-lived. A month later, U.S. forces surrendered to the Japanese on that same island, and he was once again a prisoner. He was shipped to the Philippines, where he contracted diphtheria. He said, I could still walk, however. Men were beaten daily and dying from malnutrition, starvation, battle wounds, and disease like dysentery, dengue fever, and something called beriberi. He spent two years there working burial detail in a place where men died at a rate of 150 per day. His reprieve came when the Japanese soldiers decided to send some prisoners to work in a coal mine on the Japanese mainland. It was a small reprieve, though, and he, the suffering didn't end. While he was working 14-hour days in the mines, he survived two cave-ins and contracted jaundice. Then came the day when he heard a loud explosion and saw an enormous cloud rise from across the bay. He had later learned that the explosion was a mushroom cloud that was a result of an atomic bomb that they had dropped on the city of Nagasaki. Within a few days, the Japanese guards had left, and the U.S. fighter planes buzzed the camp, uh, bombers had dropped food and supplies, and after more than two months, he was shipped to an army facility in San Francisco, where he eventually made it home to Boston, where he was honorably discharged. I don't know about you, but I can't really relate to that kind of suffering. But we're in a world with people who can. Uh, we have people over in Ukraine who are suffering. We have people over in Afghanistan who are suffering. We have people over in China who are suffering. You see, Scripture talks about, and what Paul has already talked about, is that we are a body of believers. And so we can't, we often do, because of just our culture and the way that we are raised and the way America is, we often disengage from our brothers and sisters in Christ that are all around the world that are suffering all kinds of different ways. And in fact, we often disengage from one another, unfortunately, where we're, we're often, the understood norm is when you ask somebody how they're doing, the answer is, fine, or I'm all right, or good, are the only acceptable answers. And all of us, to one degree or another, has experienced some kind of suffering in our lives, I would guess. And, and if not, then just hold on, because if you're here on this globe long enough, you probably will. There are some key factors, though, that POWs will tell you when they're in the midst of suffering. And Paul was a kind of POW. And so we can see these things that I'm going to take out of what I saw him write to the Ephesians there, and hopefully they, they matter for us to have successful suffering as we understand this mystery of the gospel. These things that we're going to talk about, there's four of them, and, and they're remembering who we are, that we're not alone, that we should never give up, up hope, and that eventually we can return with honor. And so the first point that I see in the text this morning is understanding the mystery of this gospel gives us a healthy view of ourselves. 
This gives us a healthy view of ourselves. If you have a copy of God's Word, you can read with me in Ephesians 3, 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles. Or Ephesians 3, 3. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Or Ephesians 3, 7 through 9. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, and his grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden in ages in God who created all things. You see, understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a healthy view of ourselves. And that is something we often don't have in our culture today. We often hold ourselves in too high regard. You know, I would never do that. Well, that's for those people. The gospel is for those sinners. Or sometimes we hold ourselves in too low of regard. Well, God could never love me. God could never forgive me. If you had any idea what I did, then you wouldn't be telling me about this God who loves me. What we need is the Goldilocks view of ourselves. You know, not too hot, not too cold, but just right. What Paul is talking about here in this, and, and we look at this words as he says that though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Paul is not self-deprecating here. Maybe I said that word wrong. You can change my vocabulary later. He's not self-hating. He's just being honest. He's being truthful. We've got to remember who Paul is. We've got to remember where he is when he's writing this. He's probably in prison. We've got to remember who he's writing to and why he's writing these things. Remember, Ephesus was this metropolis city. Remember when we started this book? I mean, this is like the Silk Road, the Spice Road, converging all in one. This is, this is Europe's bank at this point. This is well before Bitcoin, right? And, and, so, and so all these traders were coming through this area. These people had a lot of things. Ephesians, those who are living in Ephesus would have had a high view of themselves. They're the wealthy. They're the ones with the technology. They're the one that Rome cares about. They are the window to the east for this humongous Roman Empire. But in the same city of Ephesus were also those who thought low of themselves. Remember, this was where the, the temple to uh, that priestess, or the, not the priestess, where the, where the false god was, where they practiced temple sexuality. This is a place where people would be gambling and selling their souls for all kinds of lewd behavior with one another. This is a time and a time period where Paul knows, and he's going to explain to them, and he has before and he will again in this book so far, uh, about the spiritual warfare that's going on. And so understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a healthy view of ourselves. In Ephesians 3.1, he says here, I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Not a prisoner of Rome, although that's where he was. Not a prisoner of the government, although that's who is holding him. Not a prisoner of his circumstances, right? He doesn't claim the victim here. Although he was a victim. He's in Rome, in prison, completely innocent. Chained day and night to a Roman guard. I don't know if we can understand that. Uh, but, but I'm guessing that over time, his ankle or his wrist, whatever was chained, would eventually be rubbed raw to the point of blistering and bleeding. And then over time, again, if long enough, that would heal and it would just have scar tissue there. 
Or if you've done any kind of repetitive uh, things in your life, you know how you get calluses on your hands or things? Think about calluses on your wrists or on your ankles because you're just chained up for so long with somebody. But he doesn't claim the victim here. Instead, what he says is he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's a slave of the Most High God. He, he is on a mission and he is there for a purpose. He is locked to this Roman soldier because as, as we think, as scholars think, remember, uh, having being falsely accused of bringing a Gentile into this Holy of Holies, what we talked about, or into the inner temple area where they weren't supposed to go. And now this uproar, and then he gets arrested. You can read about it in Acts. And he also, he has a healthy view of himself, Paul, the writer of the entire New Testament. And he says, who is it who gave him this revelation? Was this just, is this just because Paul is just brilliant? Is this because Paul is just such an eloquent speaker? And he says, this mystery was made known to me by revelation. He gives all glory to God. And yet this is Paul who has written the New Testament, who we are being fed today by his inspired word. How you, when you do your own personal devotional time, I mean, how many of the Pauline epistles do you just love and feed your soul upon? And he says here, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. You see, understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a healthy view of ourselves. And so then, as he writes in other places, in Peter 2, Romans 5, 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Why? Because he understands what his purpose is, what he's doing here, who put him there, and what the end result is. Because when we have an understanding of the gospel, holy God, sinful man, fully righteous, just, hates sin, without hope, dead in our trespasses and our sins. Slave to bondage, child of Satan. Remember, he wrote this in Ephesians already. And as he has this proper understanding, he says, I can rejoice in my sufferings. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because uh, you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. See, he rightly sees this, and, and if you are a writer or a note-taker, 1 Peter 1, 3-7, there's another section there. But he understands that when we suffer, it is not because God hates us. That's having, a right, that's having a wrong view of ourselves, right? When we suffer, it is because we are being refined. Now, Paul is suffering because of persecution. But all suffering is refining. I know this because I had a colicky baby. And you may think that that's not a big deal, but you don't know my colicky baby. Uh, before I had Rowan, uh, I used to think it was ridiculous that people would ever shake their babies for any reason. I did not understand that. I thought that was absolutely evil. And then I had Rowan. And then I was like, I get it. Now, praise be to God that I did not shake Rowan. At least not much, right, Rowan? No. But as a seminary student, I remember sitting on the couch and saying this to God. I'm here for you. Why did you give me this? I'm just being honest. I had an unhealthy view of myself. My colicky child, through going to school full-time and working two full-time jobs to pay those bills and, and then still volunteering at a church, and I'm not saying this to brag, all of that, that stress that we have on our lives is refining. 
was producing more of Christ's character in me, and the same can be said of you. And so a healthy view of ourselves by the gospel helps us, as I said the first thing, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Secondly, understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a heart for others. Ephesians 3, 1 and 2, again, for this reason, for what reason? For the furtherance of the gospel to the Gentiles. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship God, uh, of God's grace that was given to me for you, Paul says. And then if you jump down at the end of Ephesians 3, verse 13 there. Uh, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Can you hear the pastoral heart Paul has? Paul's in prison. Before this, Paul was beaten. He was flogged. Remember, if you read through Acts, I was shipwrecked. I was bitten by snakes. I was busted up by people. I was persecuted. I was ran out of towns. I was starved. I was all these things. And now he's in prison at Rome. And he says, what I really care about is that you're not dismayed by this. What I really care about is not my suffering. What I really care about is, is your understanding of this and the way that this is going to affect you. Paul has a heart for others because he understands the gospel. Paul understands the glory of the grace that he was given, and so therefore he is able to humble himself and pour himself out, as he had said, as a drink offering for others. He says, I I may be a prisoner of Christ Jesus, but I'm doing this for you. I submit myself to this for you. I have the stewardship of God's, of God's grace that was given to me. The reason I preach, the reason I teach, the reason I go around all these things, the way that I do what I do is for you. And I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. You see, greater love has none than this, that somebody lay down his life for his friends. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to save. And then he tells his apostles, he tells his disciples, hey, go about into the world and teach them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. And what were they? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so understanding the mystery of the gospel not only reminds us of who we are, gives us a proper view of ourselves, but it also gives us a heart for others. How can you love the Lord and hate your neighbor? Scripture says, How can you understand the gospel and then not desire to tell everybody about this good news? You were lost, but now you're found. You were blind, but you can see. You were dead in your trespasses. You were a slave to your sin, but brother, there is freedom. How can we understand that and not desire to be a lamp on a lampstand or be a city on a hill, wanting for people to see and hear and know what is the glory of the riches, the mystery of the riches of God's grace for us? This is Paul's heart for us. And so as we move quickly through the text, when we understand the gospel, we have a heart for others, and that is paramount when we understand suffering because one of those main four things, right? You are not alone. You know what they do to prisoners? They put them in the hole, right? They, they, they try to break them. They, they keep them away from each other. This is a, a great uh, philosophical question. It's called the prisoner's dilemma, right? Where you've got prisoner A on one side, prisoner B on the other side, and you interrogate them individually without them having the ability to communicate with one another, hoping that they will flip and each take a deal that then condemns the other, and then you've got both of them. Make sense? So get your story straight before you go in. That's all I'm saying, right? 
No, but what this man needed to know who was in prison in the POW camp, he needed to know he wasn't alone. What others who have been in POW need to know is that they're not alone. What Paul needed to know and what he did know because of the gospel is he wasn't alone. And he wasn't even counting on those who were in Ephesus, was he? He was counting on Jesus. And that is one of the great understandings of the mystery of the gospel. Is because the fact is, is you might physically actually be alone. But by God's grace, you are never alone. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, he is a friend who stays closer than a brother, Scripture says. Scripture even says that by his spirit, this Jesus dwells not only alongside us, but in us. People may take your money or your goods. People may take your your clothes. People may even seek to take your life, but they can never take your Jesus. This should give us a heart for others. Knowing that we ourselves are not alone, we can then be there for others. We can put ourselves out on the line. We can, for lack of maybe a better term, wear our heart on our sleeve because we know that even if those people leave us, we are still have fellowship with the Father. This is what Paul understood. This is what he wanted them to understood, understand. And so, second thing is understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a heart for others. Thirdly, understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us hope in his powerful grace. This is a longer section, but read with me Ephesians 3, 4 through 7 here. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Already talking about God's power, this mystery. By the way, mystery here is not like magic trick. It's like uh, you knew some of it, but you didn't know the whole story, mystery. Does that make sense? Okay. So when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in our generation as it now has been revealed in the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was been given to me by the working of his power. Ephesians 3, then 12, in whom we have boldness to access with confidence through our faith in him. This is the hope in the powerful grace of Christ as we understand the gospel, that those who were not a people are made a people, that those who were once dead and far off and alienated and strangers, remember last week, are now children of the Most High God, are now in the household, are now part of that council. This is his powerful grace. It is God's powerful grace that allows you in the midst of your work or school to speak truth in love to those around you, even though it may cost you something. It is his powerful grace that gives Paul the ability to sail from place to place, being beaten, bruised, and emaciated, and then still suffer in prison day and night, and only want his sacred scriptures and the cloth to keep him warm. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is hope in his glorious grace. This is hope in the power of God. I'm going to make a bold statement, but I believe it to be true. I believe that Christians who are captured in POW camps far out fare, they fare better 
is a weird way to say it. They fare better by far than those who don't know Christ and are stuck in those same positions. Do you know why? No one can take their hope. Because our hope isn't here. My hope isn't in my physical well-being. I know that no matter what I do, eventually I will continue to get more and more gray. And things will continue to sag lower and lower. And my belly will continue to get bigger and bigger. And believe me, with my wife's cooking, it is inevitable. But my hope isn't in those things. It's okay with me if one day when I am retired, which I know some of you guys are going to ask, Pastor, how do you retire from ministry? Well, well, you don't. In fact, I hope, side note, we're going to chase this rabbit for a minute. It is my prayer that if I ever end up in an old folks home, which I, I probably will someday, and even if my mind is completely gone, that I am the crazy guy walking around telling everybody about Jesus still. That's my hope, and that's my prayer. Yes. Um, for those of you who know me, it doesn't have to go that far, does it? Right? My mind, that is. But our hope isn't in this world. And so it doesn't matter if you are in a prison in Japan or in some island off of that area or whether you're in a house in southwest Michigan. We can have hope in his powerful grace. And, and believe me, brother or sister, when I tell you this, if you haven't suffered yet, your suffering's coming. And so that's why we're talking about this. I do not want you to be left unaware that it is coming and we need to learn how to suffer successfully. And suffering successfully simply means finishing the race, ending our lives in the same faith as which we began it, and then through that time being grown in Christ through the sanctification that happens only through the furnace of the fire of suffering. And so hope in his powerful grace equals that other third thing, never lose hope. And if you know Christ, then you know this hope. But also, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ personally, I want to beg with you, you are still without hope. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can have this hope today. That is the mystery of this gospel. That Almost as a light switch, you can go from the land of darkness to the land of light by simply accepting this truth and placing your faith in Christ for your salvation and not in yourself. You can have hope in his powerful grace, a hope that no one can steal from you. Not only, as Paul says, these principalities and these powers and these heavenly places, of which he says in the text that the church is actually to give an account to. That's the kind of hope I want you to have. Hope in God's powerful grace. That's the kind of hope that Paul has. That's why he writes the way he does, even though in the midst of suffering. So our final head for this morning is understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a heavenly grasp of history. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So not just to the people on this world, but to all the angels and the demons who we can't see who are watching us daily. This was according to the eternal purposes, the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
You see, Paul's view of history is not simply his story. It is Christ's story. You've heard the saying about having rose-colored glasses. That's how we view everything, through rose-colored glasses. What we need to do is substitute rose-colored glasses for Christ-centered glasses. We need to understand all of history through the mystery of the gospel. Because rest assured that there is a reason that Russia is invading Ukraine. And it's not just so that some history book can be written about it. There is a reason that Rome was raised and that it fell. There is a reason that the Greeks were raised and then they fell. There is a reason that America was born and then who knows how long it will last. (coughs) But understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a heavenly grasp of history. We see all things then in the light of salvation and his work. You can see your entire life throughout the work of Christ. Otherwise, it's just a random chain of events of things that happen. You see, it's by the mystery of the gospel that I now, and that you can also, or maybe you already do by this mystery of the gospel, have an understanding of the things and why you suffer the way that you do. Now, only looking back at my colicky child, can I now look and see, that was so that he could grow me in patience. That was so that he could grow me in mercy. That's so he could grow me in grace and, and in servanthood to my wife. You think I had it rough. I was gone most of the time. It was my duty to come home and take this fiend of a child away from my wife who was stuck with him all day so that she could have a reprieve. And how dare I lay on the couch and then shake my finger at God and say, this is what you've given me? He should have blasted me with a thunderclap or something. But again, by his grace, he did not. This is where it ties into our video. Hebrews 12 1 through 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who are faithful in the faith who have came before us and who will come after us. Have a heavenly view, parents. Live well for your children. Live well for your grandchildren. Grandparents, have a heavenly view of history. Live well for your children and for your grandchildren. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those who have already passed on, those who are in the bleachers now cheering for us as we run the race, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so easy to us and let us run with endurance of our faith. Who for joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. 1 Peter 5, 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, having a heavenly grasp of history helps us to do that last thing, which is to return home with honor. Keeping the gospel as the forefront allows us to live faithfully in obedience so that in the end, when we cross that finish line, we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to share with you uh, the military code of conduct. And so I'm going to read this. You can read along with me. It's on the screen here. Article 1. I am an American fighting in the forces which guard my country and our way of life I am prepared to give my life in their defense. Article 2. I will never surrender my own free will if 
in command, I will never surrender the members of my command while they still have the means to resist. Article 3. If I am captured, I will continue to resist by all means available. I will make every effort to escape and to aid others to escape. I will accept neither parole nor special favors from the enemy. Article 4. There's six of these, by the way, in case you're wondering. If I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith with my fellow prisoners. I will give no information or take part in any action which might be harmful to my comrades. If I am a senior, I will take command. If not, I will obey the lawful orders of those appointed over me, and I will back them up in every way. Article 5. When questioned, should I become a prisoner of war? I am required to give name, rank, service number, and date of birth. I will evade answering further questions to the utmost of my ability. I will make no oral or written statements disloyal to my country and its allies or harmful to their cause. Article 6, finally. I will never forget that I am an American, fighting for freedom, responsible for my actions, and dedicated to the principles which has made my country free, I will trust in my God and in the United States of America. You see, understanding the mystery of the gospel gives us a healthy view of ourselves. You are a Christian. Remember who you are. Gives us a heart for others. You are not alone. Understanding this mystery of the gospel gives us hope in his powerful grace. So therefore, never give up. Never surrender. And understanding this mystery of the gospel gives us a heavenly grasp of history. Understand that this is not your home. You will be freed and you will go to be with him. And so, return with honor. That is how you successfully suffer. Let's pray. God, our Father, your spirit within us cries out to you as Father. And as you have told us in Paul that it is by suffering that we are so proved to be heirs of this promise. And so also 